Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's podcast. It's a great pleasure today to have with us Michaela Laros, who is the head of content and strategy for The Fabricant. She's also a head of content development and brand narrative. Michaela, welcome to today's podcast. Thanks, Debbie. Pleasure to be here. Oh, so it's great to have you and absolutely love what uh, all of you over there at The Fabricant have been doing since 2018. You're changing the world of fashion. Can you share a snapshot of The Fabricant for us, please? Um, well, if your audience haven't heard of The Fabricant, we were the world's first digital fashion house back in 2018. Um, obviously, then it was a very new idea uh, and very unusual to have a a fashion house that made only non-physical clothing for the digital space, um, which was quite a radical position to operate from. Mm -hmm. Um, Since then, I guess our world has become more familiar to brands as big brands have stepped into the space like the Balenciagas and Gucci's of this world that are all iterating now in digital fashion. Um, But since then, from a fabricant perspective, we create our own digital um, couture, which is only for use in digital spaces, and collaborate with physical fashion brands to help them bring them into the 3D space and really benefit from the technology. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it is incredible technology. And carving a niche in a space that doesn't exist must have taken a lot of dedication and vision. How fast has the company grown over the last three years? I would say it was a really slow and steady start because we were presenting this very radical notion of non-physical clothing. And it's one of those conversations when you initially say this phrase to people, they'll just say, well, what do you mean? What do you mean that clothes don't exist? So you really have to explain it. It's a very fair question, of course, because we have this very intimate relationship with garments because we wear them against our body. So initially, we really had to explain the concept of non-physical garments um, and really iterating your identity through clothing in the non-physical or digital space. Um, So I, I guess initially when we began, people were like, well, this is curious, you know, this is very interesting, but not necessarily something that big brands felt they should be doing themselves They were certainly interested, but I guess we were a bit of an outlier, shall we say? Uh So it was slow, but, um, you know, certain brands came on board, like IT Hong Kong, which is a big fashion retailer in Hong Kong, who wanted to um, just to do a really cool technological experience that kind of married physical and digital. And we ended up recreating an entire kind of anniversary collection for them in 3D. And then we were really be able to began to be able to make tangible the idea of what you could do with the technology. Um, obviously, very unexpectedly, um, as we all know, the pandemic kind of intervened in everybody's lives globally. And suddenly the idea of um, non-physicality uh, and digital garments just made absolute sense for people because obviously, um, like every industry, the physical fashion world had to grind to this um, shocking halt. Mm-hmm. Supply chain stopped, manufacturing stopped, uh, people couldn't go to stores anymore. Um, but it didn't have any impact on the creation of digital garments whatsoever. Um, and then everybody has become used to interacting via a screen, as we are now. Uh-huh. So this concept that we could um, create screenware, I should say, rather than streetwear, 
suddenly just made a lot of sense. So I guess in a very unexpected and in a way that we could never have predicted the pandemic, um, yeah, has kind of validated what we do to some degree uh, and made sense of what we do. And since the pandemic, I guess, we've kind of booked the trend um, in that the fabricant has multiplied from, I, I think we were eight people at the beginning of the pandemic. And we're now somewhere around the 30 people mark that are all, wow. all working on a, day, a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible growth, isn't it? So fast. It is. It's amazing. Um, Michaela, could you just tell us um, just a little bit about um, Kerry and, and Amber, perhaps, and their background right at the very beginning? Yeah, it's really interesting. Um so I guess Kerry, uh, Kerry comes from a film and visual effects background um, and always worked in the either film or advertising industry, creating commercials. Um, and he had this very, I, I guess, strong sense that fashion had to digitize. So I, I think we're going back in, in time to maybe 2016, uh-huh. where he had this notion that, you know, of all the creative industries, fashion had just not embraced technology. Uh, and if you think of any other creative industry, film, music, uh, photography, they all had these really strongly established digital cultures and had transitioned to kind of digital platforms. And then there was just fashion doing its own thing, being traditional, um, refusing to take part in innovation because it just wanted to do things the way that it did things. Um, So Kerry recognized there was a possibility here and and knew a way to make it happen because as someone from a visual um, creation background, he saw a way with 3D technology that you could begin to iterate fashion digitally, but then went into this very long phase of looking at potential business models, working out how it could, he could really make it real as a business proposition. Completely separately, in tandem to that, Amber, who, they were both in Amsterdam, by the way, both Amber and Kerry. Mm-hmm. Amber at the time was studying at Amphi, which is the Amsterdam Fashion Institute. So a classic fashion university. Um, and going through all the classic fashion techniques and, and, and getting her, her training. Um, but she is a passionate advocate of sustainability um, and really loved the creative parts of fashion, but was very concerned uh, as an individual about participating in an industry that was so toxic for the planet. Um, She's always been a gamer uh, and really understood gaming and tech and how it could, yeah, you could really be playful with fashion in games like The Sims that were around at the time. Um, and so wanted to iterate a different way of doing fashion. Um, so when it came to her final presentation for the end of her graduation, she insisted on making an entirely digital collection, which obviously was not what the uh, university wanted to see at all. So she really had to stand her ground and insist that this was um, you know, a real way to create fashion and it was possible and it didn't diminish the creativity in any way, but made fashion more sustainable. Um, and serendipitously, um, Amber and Kerry met. Kerry was looking for someone uh, as a designer that could iterate and bring this idea to life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and they met and founded The Fabricant eventually in 2018. That's amazing. It's an amazing journey, isn't it? It really is. It's incredible, yeah. yeah. Incredible that they were both in the sort of same mindset yeah. at the same time and in the same place, you know. It was. It was meant to be. It really was. It's fantastic. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Now, in this industry, one of the terms that you hear all the time, and I don't think people understand what it is, is NFT. Um, Can you explain what that means for our listeners, please? Yeah, it's one of those kind of uh, phrases that has really come to the fore this year. So NFTs, which are non-fungible tokens, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 an unusual phrase that you shouldn't be familiar with unless you've read it somewhere. Uh, and non-fungible tokens are essentially unique digital items that um, that exist on blockchain um, that are valid that can be that are traceable. So you can anything that's on blockchain has immediate transparency. And so you can see the origin of who minted it, who put it there, and any transaction details that um, have historically happened. So the blockchain is this vast global ledger of um, transactions. So an NFT um, is a a visual token. An NFT can be anything. So a fashion NFT, um, the way that we iterate is obviously we create unique digital fashion items, upload them to the blockchain, and then they become these collectible and tradable, essentially visual cryptocurrencies because there's a market for all digital collectibles. Digital collectibles, I guess the most familiar iteration right now is crypto art that people might have heard of. Yeah. So there's a huge market for crypto art. And digital fashion, when it becomes an NFT, kind of joins this world of crypto art. Um, and there are collectors, just like there are real-world collectors of anything. Um, to put it in real-world fashion terms, I guess, if you think of the kind of people that go to limited-edition sneaker drops, so these sneakerheads that are really excited about um, buying a one-off pair of sneakers, and they will buy it and they will keep it in their collection, potentially at some point trade it, but but have the kudos of having a one-off item it's that sensibility translated to the digital world. Uh, and that's what the whole world of NFTs, um, non-fungible tokens or digital collectibles is all about. It's fascinating, isn't it? Absolutely fascinating. It's a new world, you know, and there's a, there's a lot to know about. It's um, The whole crypto world is a world of its own. It's got its own communities, microcultures, subcultures, um, its own language, um, but it, it can be accessible. If you start looking at crypto art, um, the kind of stuff that made headlines, which is why it has been reported everywhere this year, um, was that Christie's, the sort of famous folk, uh, auction house, uh-huh. stepped into a space uh, and auctioned a piece of crypto art by an artist called Beeple, which raised, I think it was £70 million, which is astonishing. Wow. Wow. Astonishing by any any measures, right? It's it's an extraordinary sum. And I think it made Beeple, this artist, which I guess the majority of people had never heard of, one of the, the highest selling artists of all time, historically. Um, so it made everybody sit up and pay attention about what, what was going on in this world and what it meant. Um, not you, That is not the access point, by the way, for, for crypto art and digital collectibles. That's just like the, the, the ceiling yes. of something. Um, and you can access this world and start collecting digital art and digital collectibles for, for you know, 30 euros or, or whatever it is in your local currency. So there's, there's a huge scope of possibilities, but the stuff that makes headlines inevitably um, is, is the stuff with like huge sums attached. Yes, it always is, isn't it? Really, it's always it's always the money sometimes that makes that hits the headlines. 
But um, the achievement of the technology that's all interspun in that um, is, is actually groundbreaking and astonishing, to be honest. Yeah, that's the exciting part of it. It's so yeah. innovative. It's a whole new palette of creative expression. Um, and it really op- opens up possibilities for, for creators of all kinds. Yes. Anybody, um, whether they're a musician, a fashion creator, an artist, they can all iterate NFTs and begin to have real agency over, the, over their creativity. And that's why lots of big brands are experimenting in this space. And it opens up new revenue streams and new ideas and, and new ways of thinking about things which just weren't possible historically because we didn't have the technology. Um, but now we have. So it's very cool. So anybody, anywhere, really? Absolutely, yeah. anywhere. If you've got, you know, there's a degree of hardware needed, but if you've got an internet connection... Uh, and a piece of hardware that you're able to create on, you, you can start minting and creating your own um, digital fashion or, or other digital collectibles. Incredible. Michaela, can you share some of your groundbreaking projects with us? Goodness, yeah, I guess um, I'm, I'm trying to remember the things historically that will be of interest. Um just to bring us into the here and now, we've been doing, uh, just while we're talking about NFTs, uh-huh. um, Actually, just to clarify on something, so the uh, the fabricant has two different sides to its business. So we have the digital atelier, which is our couture house that creates these limited edition digital couture pieces that are uh, rare and collectible and have a super high levels of iteration. When we create something in the digital atelier, it's a it's a movie level, uh, a movie industry level of finish. So okay. digital fashion designers are involved, 3D environment creators um, and our visual effects people will all collaborate to really bring a garment to life. So that's one side of what we do. Uh, and the agency side of our business, um, that's where we collaborate with existing physical fashion brands to bring them into the 3D space. Uh, and, and really show them the benefits of the technology in 3D because there are multiple benefits that they could um, really use in their business. Um, so that's when we collaborate with brands like, um, who have we worked with, let me think, Puma, Adidas, Peak Performance, uh, Off-White, uh, Napa Piri. You know, there's, we've got a good roll call of physical brands yep. who have really begun to iterate in this space, um, but not necessarily going to the, I guess, the couture level that we go to in our in our own fashion house, yep. but using it to to really um, benefit the the existing business. Um, so, in terms of the fashion house, we've been creating loads of NFTs recently um, to really kind of show what you can do um, in the digital fashion space. Digital fashion, as uh, digital collectibles, is really nascent. It's a very early iteration. So uh, the fabricant as a leader in this space really tries to show what's possible um, and really tries to create an industry around everything that we do and and a huge community. So um, that's one aspect of what we've been doing. And I think we've been doing that back to back since about February. So doing a drop a month, which is an astonishing kind of uh, rate of work, um, but really cool. And and those garments are quite, um, yeah, I guess it come from a very couture sensibility. Um, and then the garments that we do with people like Puma, you had this very cool project that was initiated with 
um, students at Central St. Martins who created a physical fashion collection that was very sustainable compared to um, Puma's histor- uh, historic collections. Uh, and as part of the marketing for that collection, they wanted to work with the fabricant to show a different way to market garments. So we recreated all the garments in 3D, um, recreated um, a location for the garments to be shot in. Um, and then when you do that, obviously, you're not flying planes across the planet. You're not going to shoot in pristine environments. Um, and you're not putting like loads of carbon out there to to just sort of um, show something in a marketing kind of iteration. So there's a big aspect of what we do is also to do with sustainability for, for brands as well. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. There's no waste at all, is there? It's fantastic. Yeah, we have we try to recognize where we where we are impacting the environment because inevitably everything we do uses electricity. Mm-hmm. Um so we commissioned reports with Imperial College London to really obviously there's a there's a you know an obviousness to when you don't create anything physical, you're not impacting the planet as much as when you extract natural resources, etc., and create a physical garment. Um, but we wanted to try and add data to that. So we commissioned a sustainability report. Um, and in comparison to the creation of a, a physical, a single physical T-shirt compared to a single digital T-shirt, digital only mm-hmm. T-shirt, um, the reduction in carbon impact on the planet was 97%. So it's kind of astonishing. That is, isn't it? It's incredible. It's great. Interestingly, um we saw Zara premiere their first 3D avatar just a few weeks ago. And for anybody that didn't see that, it was the most a beautiful printed apparel collection created using silk scarves. Mikaela, what do you think that significant what do you think that signifies for the future of retail? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one because um it was a really beautiful iteration and it's nice to see um a brand maybe more associated with uh, the fast fashion industry yeah. or or, the, or a high, st- high street brand, just beginning to experiment in this space uh, and, and seeing what they can do. And they did create something really uh, beautiful. It was stunning. I yeah. think for um, retail, you know, there's huge opportunity here. Um, just referencing back to that um, IT Hong Kong expression that we did way back in time. Well, we're back in fabricant time. It was only 2018. <laughs> it feels like way back in time. Yeah. Um, sort of way back time, back in time, and certainly in terms of the digital fashion trajectory, so we say. Um, what we did there, um, because they were just really cool about allowing us to iterate in an innovative way for them, we, you could never see the garments. The garments that that, they, that we rebuilt in 3D were for physical garments. They were one-offs that created for them by various high-end designers that you could that were physical that consumers could buy. Um, but the way that we marketed them, we we built um, an experience and put it around certain spaces in Hong Kong where you could only see the garments on screen. So you could only ever see our 3D recreations. And only by looking at them on these giant screens and the, and the garments did look absolutely stunning because the way that we can play with garments in the 3D space obviously defies the laws of gravity because we can do that. So the, the garments kind of walked themselves down the runway, if you like, yep. and really showed themselves off, which was really fun. 
Uh, and people could standing from the screen, they were, they could see that it was a digital recreation of a garment because the garment was walking itself. They could choose their size and they could order from the screen and it would be delivered to their house. And they would never see the garment prior to that moment, prior to the moment of receiving it. And it sold out in minutes, the whole collection. Wow. So it was kind of just this astonishing use case that was incredible, but it really kind of brought a different way of presenting retail to a mainstream audience. Uh, and it was super interesting. So someone like Zara could really, you know, begin to just show their garments in a different way that's very inspiring and very creative. Um, I also something saw something on TikTok, I think it was last week, um, where Zara was showing off uh, a window display. I think it was in the Soho New York I store. I saw that. Incredible. Yeah. It was Soho. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, this kind of um, 3D installation where the entire store appeared to be have it have these uh, 3D what? balls swirling yeah. around inside them that were all multicolored, and it was absolutely mesmerizing. It and was engaging. It was just so, washing to the window, wasn't it? Just all this kind yeah, of, and it was whole a full, kaleidoscope of color. It was amazing. Absolutely, yeah. This sort of audio visual spectacular, which you couldn't you know, do but stop and stare at it. And, and I, you know, how many windows have the capacity to do that these, these days yeah. just using a, the physical world? So 3D really does elevate retail's ability to display garments, to market garments, um, and to really engage consumers in a new way that, that feels exciting, that's sustainable, uh, and is really innovative. Yeah, it is. It's mind-blowing, actually, isn't it, really? really is. Goodness knows where we're going to get to. And it's kind of, at that level, it's redefining couture, isn't it? Yeah, we, we think so. It's certainly bringing a, a very different sensibility to couture. Um, again, we have this idea, um, we just come from a different mindset, I guess, in the digital yeah. fashion world. Um, yeah. We believe that fashion creation should be democratic, which is not necessarily that something that the uh, classic fashion world, shall we say, is particularly on side with. But we talk about it in terms of what we do because we really believe it. So just, uh, you know, the usual story for any physical couture brand is, um, you know, they create a garment um, and the there's a lone auteur at the head of the brand, usually somebody, you know, incredibly talented, but they will decide what is the ultimate iteration for a garment? And then that will be presented to the brand's audience as, this is it, here it is, here's the final iteration of a garment, and your job as a consumer is to appreciate and buy and wear. From a digital fashion sensibility and certainly a digital couture sensibility, we don't believe that there is an end point for our garments. So when we iterate uh, one of our own pieces in the Fabricant Atelier, we'll put out our iteration and show that to our audience. We have quite um, a, a huge global audience of 3D creators and artists that follow what we do. Um, and then we'll just give away the 3D pattern that we've created um, and drop it to our audience and say, right, here's our version, show us yours. And they go absolutely wild with creativity. Amazing. It's always mind-blowing to see what they come back to us with. And it's really inspiration. So Couture suddenly becomes this two-way street you know where we show them what they, they we do and they feed back to us what um what their ideas are and, it, and we could never predict it 
Um, we did a really cool iteration of this with um, Adidas and Carly Kloss. They did a diffusion line with Carly um, of sportswear. Uh, Carly Kloss actually is super engaged in the innovation world. She has her own um, non-profit organization that teaches young girls how to code. Um, she was aware of what the fabricant did, which was really cool for us. We couldn't believe it that she knew about us. Um, and she came to us and she approached the fabricant and said, this is the line, the physical line that I'm dropping. How do we do something in, in your world that really opens up the idea of uh, 3D creation in, uh, you know, for physical brands? So we recreated one of Carly's garments in 3D, dropped this to our audience of global creators, and they responded with, I think it was over 300 different iterations of this one garment that Adidas had created for Carly. Um, and they were just amazing. They were Each one was more fantastical, more cool, more, um, uh, I guess, yeah. It's amazing. Just isn't playful. It? It, they were yeah. really playful, you know. Yeah. It was a, real, a really fun experience. You really got an idea of the, the scope of possibility in this space, which ultimately creatively is kind of limitless it is just to harness that creativity worldwide is an incredible feat isn't it it's fantastic really is it just as you say democratizes everything it's great yeah and and, you know you know obviously we are observed by physical fashion brands and and we're willing to experiment because it's part of our belief system uh, of showing what is possible um and we're cool to i guess be that kind of um that experimental lab for fashion to observe what we do and, and see what is possible. But the response that we get um, hopefully kind of proves our case that, you know, the future of fashion is collaborative, it is democratic, yeah. and it can be really exciting to innovate in 3D. And it makes just new possibilities that just just weren't possible before because we didn't have the tech. Absolutely. It's infinite, isn't it? Like you say, there is no there is no full stop, I think, was one of your quotes, which is brilliant. It's really good. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Thank you for reading that. <laughs> <laughs> How fast do you think the apparel industry can adopt 3D and, and virtual technologies? And where do you see their primary focus for the industry? Yeah, I, I, I think maybe sometimes um, the physical world looks at what we do and thinks so it's a little bit out there. But there's an absolute easy win for any physical fashion brand, which is to begin 3D sampling to really bring digital interventions into their production and manufacturing line. Mm-hmm. So when we've worked with people like Peak Performance, um, Peak Performance came to us with, um, you know, they're a, they come from an outdoor brand sensibility. So it was created with the environment in mind because they're all passionate nature lovers. Um, and we recreated in 3D, I think pretty much most of their fall winter 21 collection. Okay. Um, and this, just creating all their samples in 3D allowed them to completely disrupt um, all their key resources, by which I mean time, money, and then really be, allow them to iterate. So obviously once you create a 3D file, you have this asset that can be used over and over again. So Maybe for someone like Peak Performance that has a kind of consistent silhouette, but each season they change either fabrics or colours or maybe certain details, they can reiterate collections at a click without this usual, I guess, process that historically happens of, you know, sending um, fabric from Europe across to Asia potentially to be made up into physical samples, flying it back to Europe 
then making adjustments, flying it back to Asia. And, and we, we all know this kind of um, usual process that happens. You can really intervene in that. And any brand can begin 3D sampling to A, make sustainable interventions and really begin to disrupt carbon impacts, um, but really begin to really streamline their resources and benefit from their create, uh, 3D to to kind of make their creative process um, much much more functional and much more, um, there's a word that I'm looking for here that I can't remember, but really um, helps them iterate in a way that just makes sense, but makes practical sense and that really influences their bottom line. It allows them to be more creative as well, doesn't it? Because they have more speed. Absolutely, because, you know, the yeah. changes that we're talking about around colours, fit, drape, um, style, you can really iterate and play, and designers have more time to play with their garments and see what's possible. Um, but do all that at a click, you know. It's, it's, it's a completely different process, that but one that makes complete sense for any physical fashion brand. Um, you know, just the creation of physical patterns just is it, so old school. Um, and the text there, you know, it, obviously there's a little bit of a learning process that ha- has to happen. But... Um, you know, for big brands, I think certainly Tommy Hilfiger was one of the earliest to come to the fabricant and say, this is what we want to bring in-house. How do we do it? And we worked with them to speak to their team and, and train them up in how to really iterate for themselves in this space. Um, and I think pretty much now their all, their entire sampling process is is 3D. It's, it, it really is incredible. And, and just to clarify, what you're actually replicating there is the size, the fit, the materials, the drape, the texture, the colours, everything really becomes a twin. It's um, astounding. Yeah, exactly. It's really interesting because, you know, from a fabricant perspective, our position is that we we want to transition the fashion industry to a, phys- a, a, a digital iteration Yes, um, of course. That's where we come from, which is which is obviously a, a very particular position. But logically, um, fashion can begin to iterate digital only items that sit right alongside its physical inventory. Um, I can imagine a future whereby there'll be physical. You go into a store. There's a physical line in one half of the store. And the other half of the store displays digital-only items for for use on your avatar um, that are created by brands. Um, And, yeah, and once you iterate something in 3D, as we said, you have the file and you have this twin of a physical garment. Uh, For us, that would be the only iteration. Uh, But for physical garments, they can really begin to see what's possible in this space, Um, and Buffalo London, actually, to their eternal credit, allowed us to do that with them uh, at the beginning of this year. They have only ever been a physical fashion brand. Um, so they're a footwear brand that became very sp- uh, famous around this sort of Spice Girls era for those yeah. platform sneakers. Um, they felt it was very important to introduce their audience to the concept of digital fashion from a sustainability perspective. But they wanted to present... Um, a digital wearable that was only wearable in 3D um, that would never be made physically. So to make that clear on their behalf, when we collaborated with them, we used their kind of classic sort of platform silhouette, but created a, a, a sneaker made of flames, which obviously quite clearly isn't possible in the physical world. Um, and they placed it on their website right next to their physical inventory and said, here's our physical stuff, or you can buy one of our digital-only our digital sneaker. 
which was um yeah quite mind-blowing for their audience yeah, is, they were yeah. like what what um and then when they clicked buy on the digital sneaker which i guess was retailing around i think it was the 30 euro mark i don't quote me on that it's some, somewhere around that mark but but you know significantly more reasonable maybe than their physical sneaker um and they would be taken to an environment where they could upload a, a photograph of themselves they would be digitally dressed in the flaming sneaker and they'd receive back an image of themselves wearing the sneaker that they could share across social media so it was just this a, a different way to introduce audiences to the idea of um, digital fashion that was fun that was play, playful and then just allowed buffalo as a brand to experiment with possibilities in this space about what you can do when you just iterate a digital only garment and then place it right alongside physical inventory and just see what the response is there and just kind of uh yeah have fun and begin to uh, iterate in this space so just to give you an idea of what you can do in the future as a brand but in it's a amazing. way that's relevant to young audiences i guess yeah exactly exactly but it really is pushing boundaries isn't it michaela is there a shortage of 3d designers and if so how can the industry resolve that skills gap yeah i would say um finding the the right talent and, and certainly the the skill level that we need as a digital fashion house is something of a a constant process obviously this world is entirely new mm-hmm. um and it goes back to education establishments um all fashion schools really should be teaching their students how to iterate in 3D um how to be a creator in this space because regardless of whether they choose to join a digital fashion house or a physical brand the future of the industry does rely on being able to iterate to some degree uh, digitally um whether it's the kind of intervention that we've spoken about which is the obvious kind of uh, 3d sampling intervention that any brand can do to really uh you know begin to iterate more more functionally in the in the in the space or whether they choose to iterate digital garments Yeah it it comes back to showing students what's possible and then making the entire industry ready to receive these students um because there's a little bit of a knowledge gap and a skills gap there um a lot of people uh, and the entire team just to give you an idea the entire team at the fabricant the digital fashion team are all classically trained fashion designers so they understand drape and fit and and you know that how fabric is meant to fall but under their own steam um they all taught themselves um 3D software programs like Clo3D which is what we use to create our garments uh, and began iterating for themselves so there's a ton of stuff available on the internet by the way in terms of workshops that you can look at the fabricant itself we put out loads of content to show people how to experiment and play with garments and how you create a pattern but there's a lot of stuff out there so at the moment i'd said there's a degree of being student young people being self-initiated but any yeah. physical designer or anybody working in the physical fashion industry can begin to iterate in this space and get the programs and just begin to skill themselves up to to participate in the future of fashion absolutely stay equipped to stay to stay current and move forward i think really i think that's kind of the inherent in every creative as well isn't it really 
that kind of need to to learn more about the space that you're in. Um, but I, I agree with you. There is there is an issue in the academic sector, and they do have to. It kind of can be a lottery for students, can't it? As well, depending on where they go, what kind of depth of knowledge they will they will learn. So I think, uh, as you say, it's fantastic that we can now, you know, hit hit the hit the internet and um, find access to lots of courses, et cetera, et cetera, where people can learn a lot more about 3D technologies um, and equip themselves with the skills that they need to get jobs at the end of the day, whether that's now or for the future. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. There's an interesting application of what we do, um, which is gaming. Um, The gaming space um, is very familiar with the idea of in the in games, they're called skins, right? So you go into the game and you choose a skin, which is a way to dress up your character, and you can choose to inhabit anybody um, and dress up any way you want. And there's a kind of um, a kudos attached, shall we say, to, to to choosing a cool gaming skin and then roaming around in whatever gaming environment you choose. Um, this space is is like a, a bit of a no-brainer for digital fashion. We've got an obvious home there. It's just that right now, uh, gamers don't think of it as fashion. It's called a skin. It's, it's, it's yeah. a character development thing. Um, this world is huge, and the gamification of, of fashion is huge. Um, I think it was Balenciaga earliest this year played with this idea and debuted a new collection in a game that they created. And I think Louis Vuitton has just dropped something very similar, yeah, which is have. a game that follows the story of, is it Louis Vuitton's early years or something? Yeah. Um, so this kind of ecosystem of fashion tech gaming um, is, is really coming together in an interesting way. Um, and it's a huge market. You know, it's um, it's a world that young people are very familiar with. It's potentially the the place where most people will have their first experience of digital fashion. Um, So even if you don't necessarily choose a fashion path, there is an iteration of digital fashion that you you find in in, in other spaces. That's interesting, isn't it? It kind of leads me on to an almost half answers up my next question, actually. Uh, Miguel, do you foresee the day when we will all own a virtual wardrobe for our online presence? Oh, absolutely. It's incoming. Yeah. It's incoming very quickly. So the next um, iteration of the internet will be immersive. And there are lots of people developing this space right now. Um, and that space will be called the metaverse. Um, mm-hmm. If you Google that phrase, a whole world of things will come up. I think it's um, the favorite media phrase of 2021, along with NFTs and the metaverse. You'll you'll find a lot there. It's a, it's a, it's a huge rabbit hole that to fall down. Um, but the metaverse is incoming. I think maybe there's a timeline of a few years attached to the the full metaverse. So within the metaverse, it will be like a, a digital layer of, of of your life where you will be able to enter um, a persistent virtual world, shall we say, um, something like a gaming environment. But within this environment, you will be able to transact, interact, have experiences. Um, there'll be multiple brands in this space. Um, and it's a much more immersive, experiential way of, yeah, interacting. Within the metaverse, we will all have a digital self to some degree because as you're roaming around in these worlds, and there will be multiple worlds, by the way, it's not like there'll be just some one kind of overarching iteration of the metaverse. The metaverse is a word a little bit like the internet that describes like yeah. lots of things. Um, 
And within the metaverse, we, we will all have a digital expression of, of our choosing or, or multiple digital selves, by the way, because obviously in the digital environment, you can be whoever you choose to be uh, and express yourself in any way you want and, and identify in any way that you wish. Clearly, everybody in the metaverse will want to present themselves one way or another. And that's where digital fashion will really come to the fore. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have a garment that expresses a mood, for example, in, in the metaverse when you're in a particular environment. You might have another garment that expresses a belief system. Um, you might have garments that signify, yeah, certain moments that you're in or are relevant or garments that can move and receive data based on data sets that are coded into it. So the possibilities for your identity in the metaverse are kind of vast. Um, and obviously the opportunity for digital fashion in this world is is also extraordinary. Um, I just foresee billions of digital garments because obviously, you know, I guess to some degree, much like in the real world, we have one more, more than one set of clothes, right? Um, and when you can express multiple selves, I guess you'll have lots of digital garments as well. So I do foresee this incoming um, uh, and how. And that's what the fabricant is building towards. We say what we do is building the wardrobe of the metaverse. So that's where we're going. You know, Michaela, it it strikes me. It's just, it's it's astounding, isn't it? That, you know, we've all had to hop online to do all of our commercial activities over the last 18 months. And, you know, the virtual background was something new just, you know, a couple of years ago, um, you know, where everyone would just literally drop whatever background you're in. I mean, you, you're just not so far away from being able to hop up on a Zoom and just decide which outfit you're going to wear for your Zoom call. I mean, that's literally a, a completely different commercial level of the gaming kind of world. But that's going to happen very soon, isn't it? Really soon. So um, the Snapchat filter that we all became very familiar with uh, when we Mm -hmm. were all uh, under lockdown, um, which I guess we were wearing as, um, I don't know, pirates hats or cat's ears or those kind of more fun, playful expressions. Uh, I guess we all did that to some degree. The, The filter will become, I guess, the first iteration of being able to simply wear digital fashion. And when that kicks in, um, I guess the digital fashion world will really accelerate. So for us, for a fabricant garment, we would like to see a much more flawless tracking. I guess everybody's familiar with that moment where you move your head when you're wearing a filter and it slightly detaches from your body. Um, That tech is accelerating really rapidly. And I do think it's actually probably Snapchat that will, will, will make the iteration that I'm talking about. Um, For a fabricant garment, which as I've mentioned, I like, super high levels of finish, we would like a flawless tracking and for you to be able to stand up, do a 360 twirl, your garment flows around you in the way that the fabric should, digital fabric, fabric obviously, mm-hmm. but we, we tend to code things to to mimic the movement of whatever fabric, and, fab, fabric that we're um, iterating. So silk will behave like silk and tweed will behave yeah. like twilk, uh, twilk, tweed. Um, <laughs> so... The filter, um, I think that that kind of uh, the iteration that I'm talking about will maybe make it somewhere towards the end of this year or certainly early 2022 if current re- 
reports or anything to go by. And it will be much more flawless uh, and a much easier way for people to interact with digital fashion garments. And as you say, in a Zoom call, if it's maybe um, more of a a work-related Zoom call, you might choose a slightly more formal digital look. And if it's a hangout with your friends, you could just go wild, you know, and choose something more fun, more playful, something physically impossible. Um, But yeah, that iteration is certainly coming sooner than the metaverse. There's so much much background where the industry has to work together here as well, isn't there? Because if you look, as you've mentioned, you know, silk, tweed, a twill, whatever, it's going to be a denim even. You know, I I kind of foresee a day here too where, you know, the sample books that were provided by fabric manufacturers in the past just aren't going to just aren't going to be adequate, aren't they? They have to move to providing digital materials. So an actual digital presence of the fab- fabric that they're selling, whether that's for for f- physical or virtual, there is this landscape is huge, isn't it? Yeah, and when you begin to drill down into all the ways that digital could impact the way that fashion behaves, as you say, you know that things things that are just as familiar as a swatch book, um, yes. when you're iterating in the digital space, becomes a, a completely different thing. So a digital fabric, of course, can. can can move you know it can transform and evolve over time um so what would the digital swatch book look like um yeah it, it, it's kind of endless you know and it's really it exciting to see where space is gonna gonna go and it will be physical fashion brands that um really bring aspects of this to life because it, it makes sense for their industry you know and it's, it'll be really fun to see where it goes it's fantastic. Michaela, thank you so much. I guess I think we've answered the next question, which was what does the future like? And I think we all have to start exploring the metaverse, I guess, really. Um, yeah, is there anything- I guess that, oh, you're going to ask me, I'll let you ask me. <laughs> no, no, no. I was just wondering if there's um, anything else on the tech radar that's um, that's accelerating that you think we should see over the next few years. Exactly this. So I was just going to mention the... Um, uh, just when we're thinking about possible ways to interact with digital fashion, uh-huh. there may be at some point down the line, um, you know, and there's there's lots of uh, software companies all iterating these different possibilities, where we have a digitally connected device, probably I'm imagining like, um, you know, a Wi-Fi enabled pair of glasses that we can wear on the street in the built environment where we're able to obviously see the, the real world, the physical world, uh, and then you'll be able to switch to being able to see people's digital expression, but in the in the real environment. Um, so maybe they're walking down the street wearing a, you know jeans and a t-shirt, um, but then you're able to see their maybe their metaverse self or their digital self, yeah. uh, and their wild creative kind of digital expression expression, but in the street, you know. So um, that'd be really fun. Somebody did that with t-shirts, didn't they, last year? Where if of only via kind of Instagram, you you would see the digital the digital logo, whatever it was on the T-shirt, but it didn't actually exist. There was nothing printed on it. It was literally transposed on it in a digital format when you were moving around your Instagram account and you kind of made a, a message for the day and that's what was going to be on, on portrayed on your T-shirt. So, yeah, there is, yeah. there is, you know, you just imagine that kind of technology for sportswear or for events or, you know, concerts and all sorts of things like that where you have a whole community interacting using digital technologies it's uh, it really is quite mind-blowing isn't it 
Absolutely, you know. Um, yeah, and that's a really fun expression. I think people are playing with QR codes that you could just hold your phone over and then you saw, obviously, through your screen what the person was actually wearing, shall we say. Yeah, exactly. uh, and digital merchandise, by the way, is going to be huge. Um, it's a really interesting space. Um, entertainment brands uh, and big organizations that have a huge fan base um, are seeing the possibilities of digital merchandise. So I think you're going to see a lot of expressions of that kind of thing um, certainly next year, easily. It's fantastic. Michaela, thank you so much. And thank you to all of you at the Fabricant who really are changing the footprint of fashion to a, to a digital format for the future. Um, they really are pioneering here. Um, and it's just so wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you. Thank you, Debbie. My pleasure. It's been lovely to chat. Thank you so much. Can't wait to keep following everybody because this is changing at warp speed. It's great. Thank you so much. Thanks. Take care.